Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 192 of the Ask the Coach show where ping skills helps you improve your table tennis. 192 is an interesting number. It's the sum of the 10 consecutive primes starting from 5. It's the smallest number with 14 divisors, and 192.168 is the starting IP address of a private network. Because 192 is such an exciting number, I've got a great feeling that this is going to be a terrific show. We're going to discuss the drill of the week uh, involving backhands. Alloys will talk about the ITTF Star Awards. And in the questions, we'll cover topics such as umpires checking your bats, your bat at tournaments, adjusting your tactics mid-game, different grips, and footwork for the backhand sidespin flick. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thanks, Jeff. But exciting! I think, like, we need to we need to get the definition of exciting. Fangbo Marlong loop to loop crazy rally. That's exciting. One hundred and ninety-two. Just not exciting, Jeff. What? Are you, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> not exciting. I. I you looked pretty excited just talking about it there. I, I was animated. I wasn't excited. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, little definitions. All right. What is, am I meant to say 192 is a boring number and this is going to be a boring show? Uh, well, it's probably, you know. <laughs> it started off that way. <laughs> well, while we're on a bit of a tangent, um, I went to see... Dr. Michael Carr Gregg last night, and most people probably don't know who he is because he's a prominent Australian. Do you know who he is? I do, and I've always wanted to go and hear him speak. Well, there you go. Yeah, he Uh, was a fantastic speaker, Alois. He's an adolescent psychologist is one one thing he does, but he's done much more than that. He's, you know, he started the program Canteen, um, which helps um, young kids with cancer. Terrific guy. Um, and, yeah, it was really good to hear him speak, Alois. But some of the tips he gave about, you know, raising adolescents, um, like there was lots of tips, but some of them were just really basic things such as they must get enough sleep, um, they must eat breakfast. Um, and, you know, it's so simple but so effective, yet I don't know, I, don't, I think um, a lot of the time people don't follow those simple rules. Yeah, Um you're completely right, and you know, pertinent for for sports people too, and 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 of any age, you know, like those sort of simple tips of um, of life are yeah, really pertinent and and something that we always need to remember. And yeah, exactly, should- and that's what, exactly what I was thinking. Like for table tennis, you can do all this extra stuff, but then if you're not getting any sleep and you're not um, providing you with enough fuel for your body, it's going to be really difficult. So there's there's ways just to do simple things just to really help you in life. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you should have told me you were going. I would have uh, tagged along, Jeff. And there you go, next time. <laughs> All right. Well, Alois, um, let's move on to uh, what happened on this day in history. Oh, now, this is exciting. 18, 1844, Carl Benz was born. The, Did he make the Mercedes Benz? Well, yeah, the first, um, the first automobile, petrol-driven automobile. That's it. 
So wow! All right, okay, I'm excited. Let's go. This show yeah, is kicking off right. now. Exactly. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Come All on. right. Now, just before we get into the questions, Alois, do possums hiss? Um, I guess. I don't know. Well, because we've seen we've got possums around here, and lately. Oh, no, we've seen them out and they've never hissed and they've been pretty close to us before and on the fence and stuff. But last night, we've got a new dog, a little puppy. Um, Mel took him out and there was this really hissing noise from up in the tree. Like, and we couldn't see because it was dark and it was pretty scary stuff. Yeah, yeah, I reckon possums hiss, let, let us know. I can't do the sound, it was really bad. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, let's go straight into the drill of the week because I think people are going to be interested in this one, Alois. Yes. So uh, for this week, we've chosen the backhand, backhand footwork. Now, in my day, this this just wasn't practiced very much at all because because everyone was so forehand oriented. You know, we we practiced the forehand footwork a lot, and you know, sometimes we'd switch in between a backhand and a forehand. But the backhand, backhand footwork, I think, is really, really relevant now. Um, so backhand, backhand footwork, basically you're playing a backhand from the backhand corner. You move across to the middle of the table and play another backhand from there. So it's just a two-position footwork, backhand from the cor- backhand corner and backhand from the middle. So, so relevant today because so many players are playing that backhand ball from the middle, especially on the return of serve um, and just in the general rally as well. So, so this is a this is a good drill for you to practice, especially if you um, have a strong backhand and if you are utilizing that backhand from the middle um, or the banana flick from the middle or or um, yeah or anything like that. So, um, good one for you to try this week. Excellent. All right. So get out on the table when you can and practice that, the backhand, backhand footwork. And you can always get our free training drills PDF download, which has that drill plus lots of other drills that you can do to help improve your game. So I'll put a link in the show notes so you can download that. Now, Alois, I might jump straight into a question that's related to that from uh, Marchin, who says, for the backhand sidespin flick, I noticed that straightening up my body instead of staying low works better. I get better results in consistency. Should I experiment with it more uh, or leave it and keep staying low during this stroke? Yeah, so Martin, I think, you know, that that first ball can be better when you're up higher. Um, You tend to reach a little bit better over the table. The only problem I have is that the recovery becomes more difficult. So by being up here, then to recover back down to your next position takes a little bit longer. And that's why it's probably better in the long run to be lower for that um, for that uh, backhand flick um, over the table. If you come in and you're low there, then you can get back a lot easier for that next ball. And that, that next ball is coming back pretty fast to you, remember. Because you've made the flick, You've played a, quite a fast shot from close to the close to the net. If they get a, a block on that, then it's coming back to you long and fast. So, so that recovery is is really important. But I mean, I suppose just for the just for the flick itself, um, I think it's okay to be up a little bit higher. But yeah, it's we need to think about it more in the in the whole uh, context of the rally as well. Yeah, interesting. 
I find also, Alice, that getting a bit lower somehow helps, you know, read with the spin. And maybe because you, you're closer to the net height, you've got a better visual of just how high you're flicking the ball. So, you know, I find that getting a little bit lower is helpful. Um, one other question I've got is, what about the footwork for the backhand side spin flick? Is it any different from the normal uh, backhand flick? Um, not really, but you, you, your position's a little bit different to the ball. So, so for the flick, you're um, hitting the ball a little bit more from in front of your body here, okay? Whereas the side spin flick can be more from, the, um, more from your armpit type area. So just where you get to with that is a little bit different. So rather than getting to here, you're getting to there. The movement is still in with your right foot. So really um, getting in nice and close with your right foot, um, getting that right under the table. Um, and it's also that side, uh, that side movement as well um, to start off with. Um, the other thing that you see a lot with the better players now is they're is they're in motion and moving into that position um, really early. And that's because they're reading um, the uh, the positioning of the ball and they're reading that, uh, uh, type, of, uh, that type of serve. So as um, Ma Long serving, you know, Fang Bo's jumping in and, and he's almost here before, before um, Ma Long's hit the ball. Of course, their footwork is so good. So if they do get caught out, they're back here and they're able to make that um, top spin off off the long serve as well. So yeah, that's something else to think about. But just that that motion um, as the serve is going up. Yes, and as we've mentioned, the drill of the week, the backhand backhand footwork, great for improving your footwork in that area. If you are going to take the ball from a little wider on your forehand, good question, Martin. Now the. Last Ping Silla's question of the day, Alois, was what is the hardest shot in table tennis? Yes, um, we had a lot of responses. So Ilya said um, a really aggressive topspin attack against a low heavy backspin, especially on the backhand. So, you know, so someone's pushed really heavy and you're trying to make that backhand topspin can be hard. Um, Jared uh, said the serve and that's a that's a good point you know it's it's such an important um skill but it is a, a difficult skill as well um we had lots of others uh where are we yeah min said for me maybe the the flick uh for the low backspin ball um rory said uh, the chop block versus topspin um Glenn said, keeping your eye on the ball. Mitch Allender said, uh, return of serve, especially for those who like to hide the contact of the ball. Exactly. Um, get onto the Mitch. Um, and uh, Eugene said, around the net shot. Uh, Joseph yeah. said, pa- pa- yeah. All this Joseph- alloys just yep. makes me realize. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you're going to go another one? No, yeah, there's a couple more, but um, yeah, so Joseph said the powerful side spin between the legs 10 metres behind the table. Yes, can be quite difficult. Um, <laughs> I'm and, very good at that shot, Alois. That's pretty easy for me, that one. <laughs> and Roger Massey, who uh, is the head coach of our para program, said returning a top spin that clips the net, and that is a difficult shot. And I think we've got a question about that today, so I'll um, I'll hold off on um, commenting commenting more on, more on that today. But yeah. uh, yes, that is a difficult ball. 
this just makes me realize how hard table tennis is. There's so many difficult shots, and I, and I think they're right. They are, all are difficult. Um, but I guess that provides the challenge and the fun, and, you know, that's why it's kind of a lifelong sport. You can always keep learning, always keep improving. So, yeah, I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And, that, and you know, like, as you say, that's what makes our sport so great. Like, anyone can – not anyone, but – Anyone can just um, know the basics and learn the basics, but then there is so much more that you can develop over your lifetime. And, you know, people spend their whole lives um, playing table tennis and, and still learning. So, yeah, we love it. We do indeed. Now, um, let's move on to the Pink Seals question for today, which is, in which decade was table tennis more watchable? The 50s, the 70s, the 90s, or now. So jump onto our Facebook page uh, or to the Ping Skills website and click on the blog link and leave a comment to let us know in which decade was table tennis more watchable. Love to hear your thoughts. All right. Now, um, there was a question here, wasn't there, Alloys, about the uh, top spin hitting the net? Yeah, let me talk about this one, Alice, because we talked about it being a difficult shot. Mike D has jumped on and asked this using the Google Q&A app, so thank you, Mike. He says, hi, guys. Thanks for the side uh, backspin return info you gave me the other day. He's going to try it. Good. Let us know how it goes. But here's another question. His opponent attempts a slower loop. He hits the net a lot, and I have to hit the ball, but with all that spin, it causes an error. How can I return that freakish shot? Yes. So that ball is really difficult. Um, And what always happens is that the ball goes off the end of the table when you try to block that. Why? Because there's still a lot of topspin on the ball, but because the ball's um, slowed down, we tend to to, um, uh, not or underestimate the amount of topspin that's on the ball. So the, the relationship between the speed and the and the topspin is more topspin. So then the ball really kicks up off your bat. So when the ball's coming faster at you with topspin, the ball will, will bounce out faster and bounce more forward. When there's less uh, speed, it the, the topspin really kicks in. And that's why the ball goes off the table so that the net, slows the ball down and we misread the relationship between the top spin and the speed. So the ball's not coming out of your bat as quickly. It's coming out of your bat slower, but there's still heaps of top spin. And that's why the ball kicks up off your bat and goes off the end. So the, what you need to do is just really think about, well, understand that relationship, but have a much softer hand, so really soft with your hand, with your block, and just come over the ball more. So you really need to come right over the top of that um, ball that hits the net. And um, you'll see, I mean, the better players are really good at um, adjusting and they they tend to, to come over the ball quite naturally. But it is a really difficult shot, especially for your club-type player, um, just being able to adjust to that ball. Yeah, and I guess it's not a shot you can really practice because unless you've got someone that can hit the net every time because you're just not going to get that ball very often. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, I, th- I think that, yeah, the main, the main thing is in training or in practice is when that ball does hit the net, <clears throat> use it as an opportunity and really go after it and see, see if you can um, get it back. Often when the ball hits the net and it's spinny and, you know, we sort of go, oh, no, and we, um, we sort of almost give up on it, really use that opportunity. Every single time that topspin hits the net, think, whoa, beautiful. This is another, another chance to improve. Yep, indeed. All right, thanks for the question, Mike. Uh, now, Alois, it's time to talk about the ITTF Star Awards. Now, this is a really exciting initiative by the ITTF. Yeah, it is. And, um, and they've uh, had this going for a couple of years now. And it's really good to see they, they're starting to broaden it a little bit. This year that they are also introducing the Breakthrough Star Award. So we were a little bit critical um, last year of the, uh, of the award because... I think that the ITTF Star Award needs to be really for the outstanding player of the year. Um, and last year just wasn't wasn't um, that way. But now with the Breakthrough Star um, Award, uh, I think it, it sort of it covers um, those areas. So um, they've also got the ITTF Star Point Award. Um, so the best point of the year, and gee, I think that's a lay down Mazaire, isn't it? Um, but uh, I'll let you go on there and and uh, and vote as well. But if you go onto the ITTF um, site, you'll see a link to the um, ITTF Star Awards. Get on there, get your vote in. Don't say that you disagree with the result if you haven't voted. Yes. So yeah, that's right. People can vote. So it's up to you to get on there. And uh, put your vote in. Get get involved. And there's um, a lot of great... Uh, th- that points video, Alois. I put it on our Facebook the other day. There are a lot of great points. Definitely one you should vote on. Um, but all the other categories as well, get involved and start voting. I will put a link in the show notes to the website where you can vote. Yeah, so so with those points, like, like there's... Um, the Ma Long versus Fang Bo point from the from the World Championships, but there's also the the point uh, between uh, Adrian Matinee and Pargarel, um, which we also featured on um, on the show a while ago, um, which had a ridiculous number of hits. I think it was ninety something hits of you know lobbing to smashing basically. So um, and and have a look at the other other nominations. Great table tennis, and yeah, really makes you appreciate our game. It certainly does. All right, Ilya has a question for us. Suppose that I find a plan that works greatly against the opponent and win a game with it. But in the middle of the next game, he adjusts and I feel lost and anxious and don't know what to do. How to handle this from the mental point of view? Yeah. Um, so, and this, this can happen quite a bit earlier, you know, you, you're in, in a match situation, you feel like you're on top of your opponent and they might even change something. They might, um, instead of pushing the ball long to your backhand, uh, now they're starting to push the ball long to your forehand and you need to adjust. The first thing is thinking clearly. So m- remaining calm. Uh, is important in that situation. If you start getting flustered and worried and think, oh, no, the points are starting to slip away, then you're not able to think clearly. You need to think what has happened, um, what has changed about the situation. So now they're pushing the ball long to my forehand instead of my backhand. um, I need to do something different. Um, 
find find a simple plan. Find um, something, firstly, to, to make sure that you're putting the ball on the table and then uh, think about your, your basics again. Where do you need to put that ball? Uh, what type of speed, what type of spin, and, and how you're going to execute that. So um, it, it's a mainly here really we're talking about being calm enough and thinking clearly enough to be able to adjust in all of these situations in a game. Yeah, great advice, Alice. I mean, I've been in games a lot of the time where, yeah, I've felt in control, but then all of a sudden it's hard to notice what's happening, but you just start feeling, oh, no, he's getting on top of me, he's getting on top of me. And you kind of, if you don't, like, stop, like you said, and think clearly, that game can slip away from you very quickly and the points can just roll through and you can lose it very quickly. So, yeah, that that staying calm and thinking about the situation and going, well, you know, the game's changed. What do I need to do? So important. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. Um, but difficult. I guess if you get that feeling like, oh, this is slipping away, that's a sign that you need to, you know, maybe even take a timeout just to give yourself a bit of, uh, time to think, but that's a that's a real sign in your mind that you need to think clearly, stay calm, and try and come up with some new tactics. Yeah, and and using your towel breaks as well. So you know, every six points you're allowed to towel down. Utilize that time. You know, make sure you've got a towel there that you can go to um, after six points. Take those twenty seconds or whatever it is to just calm yourself. Um, take a breath. Start to think. Um, a little bit more about tactically what you're going to do. Yeah, great question, Ilya, and good advice, Alois. All right, next up, Eugene says, an umpire will check your bat before a match. If there is some damage, they will ask you to change it. Why is this in the rules, and do you think it should be changed? Yeah, good question. So, for example, here we go. Here's a bat. Like, look at this down here. A little bit of a chip in the racket. Um, in in an international match, they will probably um, say that that is no good. You're not allowed to play with it. Um, yeah, the, I mean the re- the reason they have that in the rule is because um, they don't want you, you know, hacking up your rubber and then the ball the ball coming off um, weirdly and uh, and wonderfully and and making it more difficult for for your opponent as well as yourself. So that's why it's in the rule. But I think it, yeah, there just needs to be some tolerance, you know, like even things like that, you know, the chipping around the edges of the racket. Um, if they were being really strict, they probably wouldn't allow that. You know, why? How does that affect the game? I, don't, I really don't think it affects anyone's game. I think there just needs to be a bit more tolerance. And I think in, in most situations the umpires will be tolerant and allow that sort of thing to happen. What they sometimes get you to do is just colour in uh, that so it's not a, not um, a different or two different colours on the on the surface. Again, you know, it really doesn't make that much effect to the game, I don't think. But, um, yeah, probably probably just needs to be some tolerance. And as I said, there usually is tolerance with, uh, with the umpires, which is great. Um, but, yeah, maybe we need to just reconsider the rule itself yeah i mean i don't think it's such a bad rule and i think it is you know uh, yeah i guess if you've got rules you've got to follow them don't you otherwise you end up with the service rule problem but i found that you know at tournaments at lower levels 
the, the umpires are pretty good at it. They might say, you know, look, it, the official rules are you need to have it perfect, but, you know, I'll let you use it here. Um, so they're encouraging people that are just starting out to continue to play. They're not stopping them play. So I think that's good from what I've seen at the lower levels here in Australia. Um, and at the higher levels, I mean, they've got, you know, they're all sponsored, the top international level. So, you know, that policing it there is fine. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's a little issue, but I don't think it's that big a deal. We've got other things to worry about, like the service rule, Alois. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Um, yes, but I think just, yeah, let's let's make it more tolerant in the rule. Yes, good idea. All right. Now, Martin and has asked a question about the grip, which we talked about yesterday. He says, is it possible to um, post photos of a different grip? Yeah, I'm going to do better than that. I'm going to show it to you, Martin Ann. So um, Martin Ann was was asking about, um, you know, the forehand grip and the backhand grip and the uh, that sort of thing. So so this is your basic shake hand grip with your point of view. And it's nice and straight in your hand. So what happens is that, you can, there are tolerances to change the angle there of your racket slightly. So if you turn your bat this way slightly, I'll do it right-handed for all you right-handers, sorry. Um, If I turn it a little bit this way, it actually becomes easier to play some backhands, but forehands tend to be a little bit harder. So by doing that, that's because the angle of your racket is um, already is is a bit too um, open for the for the forehand, so that is suitable for a backhand grip. So if you're playing more backhands, or if you're playing backhand, what well, you you can turn that bat a little bit more forward that that way. If you prefer playing a lot of forehands, you might turn the bat around the other way in your hand. So I'm just going to stand up and show you this. Um, so. So this is this is your this is your standard grip with the bat nice and straight in your hand. So to turn it this way is better for the backhand, and to turn it this way is easier for the forehand. So it's only a slight tilting of the bat one way or the other way in your hand. So instead of being right in there, it's going to tilt one way or the other. Um, so that's that's basically all the forehand and the backhand uh, grips are, um, and I'd, I'd recommend to start off with, especially that you just start with the standard grip, nice and straight in your hand. And I think we talked a little bit yesterday. You can then also um, lengthen lengthen the grip in your hand. So instead of it being really close up into the handle, you can lengthen it a little bit. So for for more attacking players, they tend to have the bat out there more because it becomes a longer lever. Um, for more control players, they tend to um, have the the racket um, closer into their hand there as well. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. So a lot of subtle variations there, Alois. Um, if if you've got the backhand grip and the forehand grip and they're both just subtle variations, why don't we use the backhand grip on the backhand and the forehand grip on the forehand? Yeah. Um, it's usually just a time issue. Um so a lot of the like a lot of the top players will change their grips slightly just using their fingers. So so by changing your fingers here and here, you'll start to just change the angle slightly. So the top players do tend to do that a little bit, um, changing the grip. 
um, with their with their fingers. But um, you know, most of us just don't have enough time to be changing our grips. And then it also just really mucks up the rhythm of the strokes and the angle in our head. So um, yeah, I, I really advise to start with just playing a really nice straight straight grip. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I'd have to agree, Alice. I think, you know, it's best just to use the standard grip that we show in our video on how to hold the bat. Um, That is used by so many players, top-level players, that you're going to be okay if you've got that grip. And then, you know, I wouldn't even worry about switching to backhand or forehand grips, but if it naturally happens during your game and you never get caught out switching, then you're fine. So, you know, that's, that's my advice. All right, let's move on to another question now from Itapat, who says, is it true that every time I do a forehand or backhand counter hit, I should add some topspin onto the ball? My coach said my backhand counter hit lacks power and control. Please help. Yeah, so with the counter hit strokes, there does need to be a little bit of topspin. So the topspin on the ball tends to add that control because the spinning ball will take a a better, more um, uh, definite path. So if the ball, if you hit the ball flat and it's floating and it hasn't got spin, then the ball will tend to go in its own direction. So by putting that top spin on the ball, you start to add a little bit of um, more certainty with where the ball's going. The little bit of top spin also then helps the ball to dip down onto the table and um, adds a little bit more safety there. So you you can have a bit more clearance over the net um, with that stroke. Then the other thing is then it becomes a little bit more natural uh, extension to go from that counter hit to the top spin where you're just adding a little bit more top spin to that uh, that stroke. So then it becomes more of an extension of the same stroke. I mean, to start with, you can just bunt the ball back and just um, have nice control and, and push it. But as you're starting to develop the counter hit, you do need a little bit of topspin on your backhand and forehand strokes. Yeah, and I guess, Alois, if you look at our videos on those strokes and you just get the start position and the finish position right, then pretty much everything else will fall into place. Yeah, that's you. You will you will naturally add a little bit of topspin by by following those basic principles. Yeah. All right, Itapat. So I'll put a link to those videos. Make sure you check them out again. And yeah, just concentrate on that start and finish position and all the tips Alloy said. And yeah, I think you'll you'll start to develop that stroke even more. Excellent. All right. Well, that wraps up show 192. I think I was right. 192 is an exciting number and it was an exciting show. So we're all good there. You must agree, Alois. Uh, You're 50% right, Jeff. was an exciting show. (laughs) Great. All right. Well, make sure you all go to pingskills.com. And if you haven't, sign up for a free account so you can watch all of our strokes and techniques videos on the website. Um, And, yeah, you also get a free email newsletter every week with lots of great table tennis tips. So go there now, pingskills.com. Thanks, everyone, for their questions. Thanks, everyone, for watching. And thank you, Alois. And thank you, Jeffrey. And we'll see you tomorrow morning. Get some table tennis.